Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. I want to start with something that almost, whether, there's a, whether you're a believer, whether uh, for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, or whether you just got saved, or whether you're not born again yet, and, uh, and you have family members, somewhere along the line, this verse or part of it has been stated, and some people, I remember that verse. Here it is right here. The Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. And here's what it says. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave. And He gave His only begotten Son. Now, in that giving process of it, we always read that verse, go all the way to the cross. However, that was not the beginning. The beginning was in the heart and mind and plan and strategy and foresight of Almighty God, saying, when Adam fell, we need to redeem mankind. And in order to do it, we need a strategy and a plan. And according to the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, it makes the reference, yeah, we all quote 50, verse 5, that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement, our peace with him, and by the stripes we're healed. Powerful verse, quote that verse, live that verse. But verse 10, it said, and it pleased the Lord, meaning God the Father, to bruise him. Who? Jesus. But in order to bruise Jesus, Jesus had to come. Now remember the verse of Scripture, Isaiah makes the reference of it, that upon his shoulders shall the government rest, and that he shall be called Wonderful and Counselor and Father, the Son of God. And, and, and this is something that's powerful. So what we're dealing with here, for God so loved that he had to enter into the atmosphere penetrate something and, and we've got to realize this now let me give you a little, little bit of history if i may here john three sixteen, the gospel of john john didn't walk around following jesus and pinning a story oh i'm gonna write this he didn't do that now the gospel of john was written 60 years after jesus died 60 years after jesus had died, John penned this book called John, and then thereafter, few, uh, a few years later, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John were written. But the Gospel of John was written 60 years afterwards. And it was written after, listen close, to the birth, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, and the, what we know right now, we're living in the glorious day of Pentecost. That infilling with the Holy Spirit. Man, think about that for just a minute. In, John wrote this after Jesus was born of, of Mary, the virgin. And then all of the healings that took place. This was written after the leper was healed. This was written after uh, the blind were seen. And he, this was written after that. After Jesus walked on earth for the time period, has earthly ministry, he still does today. But when he walked on earth as a man, uh, listen, please join me next week as I, taught, as I teach on the forgotten man. 
about Christmas. The forgotten man, Jesus, the forgotten man. But now this is the death, the burial. And then you have the resurrection. Oh, man. And then the ascension and that glorious day of Pentecost. Now, when that all ended, John, John born again, man, preaching the gospel. But 60 years later, penned John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So what happened to John in, in 60 years that he was able to pen this scripture? How does it relate to Christmas? How does it relate to us in our celebration? How does it relate to us day by day? How does it relate to us? This is important. The Apostle John's revelation, his knowledge, listen close to these words. The Apostle John's knowledge, understanding, and as well as his wisdom regarding the events and meaning in the life of Jesus is passed on. Listen to this definition through the language and vocabulary of the time of John when he wrote the gospel account. Now, this is very important we understand this. Now, you and I both know this, that times have changed wordings. Our vocabulary has changed. You know, uh, for a while, people, people, you know, that I could do this with my fingers, and that's called a snap. Well, people today talk, and they'll use the term, they go, oh, snap. Well, now this has now changed to a different definition. Uh, we've used that. And so there's a different definition to wordings today. But the vocabulary, the word is saying, but how people use it. It was a time where people say, you know, well, we're bad. We use the word that was bad. And we meant that was negative. That was wrong. That was that 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 was fell short of what it should have been. And then it became the word bad meant good. So people say, oh, man, that was a bad, that was a a bad movie, meaning that was a great movie. That's a bad song, meaning I like that song. So the word bad, the vocabulary has changed. So because vocabulary has changed, oftentimes when we read scripture, we're reading it with a change of vocabulary. And since we're reading it with a change of vocabulary, so when we read, for God so loved the world, Sometimes that vocabulary has changed. So the word so, uh, you think, let's look at the word so. God so. Look at that word S-O, not S-O-W like so seed. So. Now somebody says, I don't, I don't like how, how that looks. And you go, so? That means I don't care. What do you think? So? Remember that? So? People do that all the time. So? So what? That's really what they mean. They shorten it. So they say, so what? They just go, so? Then you have another people go, So? Let me continue my conversation. So, and so we say that. However, when John wrote this, the vocabulary of that time didn't have anything to do with that. So God, so, in other words, God's thorough intention was not about man, per se. It was about mankind so that God could redeem them for himself so he could be their father and they could be his children. When we look at this, for God so loved the world, he didn't love the world. He loved his creation so much that he had to do something so that his creation could worship him. This verse is not about the condition of man. It's about the condition of God being, could not 
have a relationship with mankind, so he had to change it. So it was on God. So God wanted a relationship. So for God so wanted this relationship, the only way to do this, the only way was to give. And he gave. And on that day, when Gabriel appeared to Mary, was the entry of this plan and this strategy. So the gospel of the John wrote was never written. The gospel of John was not written out of John's personal opinion. Therefore, you can't read the gospel, any of the, any of the Bible. You can't read it with your opinion. God didn't ask for your opinion when he wrote it. God didn't ask your opinion if I should die, have my son die on the cross. He didn't ask for your opinion. He didn't ask for your opinion. Should I heal so and so or not? He didn't ask for your opinion. God does not need our opinion. Preachers, stop preaching your opinion. We can't preach opinions. What we, what we think is the theory. I've never used this term. Well, I think the Bible said. An airline pilot never says, I think I can fly. If you buy an airline ticket, get on a plane, and they think they can fly, get off that plane right away. God does not need you to have a natural opinion. I think this is what God says. You either know what God says or just stop talking, preacher. Or, hey, believer, stop it. Stop condemning mankind because you think this or that. No. We got to do this. John did not give a personal opinion. He did not have a mindset, nor did he have a bias that was birthed from his Jewish culture or society. And nor did he allow the social pressure of the day of his time to formulate and form the gospel. So when he said, for God so loved the world, 60 years of walking by faith. 60 years of living with this redemptive factor is what caused him to say, I know why my heavenly father did what he did. He so loved his creation that he had to fellowship with him and there had to be a plan, a strategy in order to do this. Christmas is a powerful thing. So this was pinned by the instruction of the Holy Spirit to pass on a revelation of, listen closely, this is good, of God's detailed intention and actions which required having sons and daughters possessing the full nature of God. Big, big statement there. I'm going to say it again. Oh, listen to this. This was pinned by the instruction of the Holy Spirit so that he could pass on the revelation of God's detailed intention and actions which required having sons and daughters possessing his full nature. We're right now, we're born of the Spirit of God. I'm born of the Spirit of God. I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. If you did, my statement to you is going to be the same. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And by doing so, believing in my heart, confessing with my mouth, activates the full nature of God. God loves you. God cares for you. Wherever you're at right now, whatever you're going through, my God cares 
for you. He believes in you. God has faith in you, even though you may not have it in yourself. God's not limited to your education. You may have just gone through sixth grade, or maybe you've gone through, uh, you know, through college and then to university, got your degree, and God's blessed, God's excited about that. However, that doesn't change it. He still loves you. Whether you're one year old or a hundred years old, my God loves you, cares about you. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Oh, my God, this makes a powerful statement. Listen to this. But God, now think about John 3, 16. God, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting to God. Now, Romans 5, 8. But God, but God com- com- commendeth His love towards us. He released His love. He enforced His love. He directed His love towards us. You didn't ask for it. You may not have wanted it. You may think you don't deserve it. But God still directed His love towards you. And God loved you. Watch this. In that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, man. That is a place to shout. However, Christmas, think about this. You could not have had that verse until Jesus was born. As a baby in what was known as a manger. And he came. And Jesus, the purpose of Christmas, the purpose of the virgin birth was to bring this redemptive factor into place. There had to be a strategy. There had to be a way in which it was done. The Apostle John, according to this verse of Scripture, he commanded the love towards us, that uh, in it, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the anointing. Now, Jesus died. Now, the Apostle John not only reveals the directive of the love of God, but we also have the revealed knowledge of our Heavenly Father's executive action towards the final victory over the barrier that separated us, known as sin. There was a wall there. Now, I've been to hospitals, and and today, you'll see it today. You'll go to a bank, you go to a store, you go to a market, and they're there now, they've got plexiglass. You can see them, they're wearing a mask, you can see them, and there's a plexiglass wall that you can penetrate. What they don't want you to do is touch them, and they want you to wave and put your fist out and do all that. And so, but that plexiglass, you can see through it. Well, sin was a barrier. That, you could, that God could see you, but He couldn't reach out and touch you. Do you remember when Jesus died on the, died on the cross? The Bible said that the veil was rent. Remember, remember, join me next week. I'll talk about this. The veil was rent from the top to the bottom. And it ripped from top to bottom, just ripped that thing wide open. When they did that, God stepped out. We didn't step in. God stepped out. That barrier was removed that plexiglass wall where God could see you was removed and now God could embrace you God could touch you and God could hold you man he longed to have his own I've been to hospitals and I've seen parents looking through the glass when they just had a baby and they'll point that that's my baby right there but if something's wrong with them and they hurt and there's some illness that they were born with 
The doctor said, you can't come in here, but you could see him. That's what happened with Sid. God could see us, but he couldn't touch us because sin prevented him. But when Jesus died on the cross, that veil was rent and said, they're healed now. And God, your father, could now father you accurately. Oh, man, that's so powerful. Now, so back to the Christmas. What we are referring to as Christmas is, long statement here, is God, our Heavenly Father, successfully penetrating darkness with His marvelous light and life and putting to death hell, sickness, death, the grave, and precisely, undeniably notifying all of hell, satanic forces that God was, is, and forever will be the loving God who watches over His children. And they can, and sickness, disease, Satan can have no part of them. The birth of Jesus Christ set the stage for the Godhead to move forward with the bloody redemptive plan on the cross. You can't have the cross you have the birth. If you do not believe in the birth of Jesus Christ, you'll never accept the death and the resurrection and the ascension. They're all supernatural. You got to get it by revelation. Oh, through that death, he would destroy all, all of it. And it's so simple. And place humanity on the place of restoration. Jesus dies in order that death might be rendered powerless. But Jesus was born to identify with humanity so that we could walk in this boldness of it. Now, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 gives us some further clarity of this. Oh, this is so glorious. Remember John, 60 years after Jesus died, he writes the Gospel of John. And then many years after, he writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. John was the one in the Isle of Patmos, man. He was the one they tried to kill, boil him in oil, couldn't do it. Couldn't kill the man. He was so surrendered to God, so involved with God, serving God, preaching the gospel. You can't kill a man who's got an assignment and is unwilling to relinquish it. Oh, man, boiled him in oil, brought him out, and then they couldn't kill him. So they put him on the Isle of Patmos, and he writes this. Behold. What manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called children of God and that we, and what we are. And the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. When people don't know who Jesus Christ is, and you do, when people don't know His love, and you do, when people don't know how to use the vocabulary of Scripture, and, and you do. When people do not understand why you separate yourself in the world and, and they still stick with the world. When people do not understand why you love God and they don't, they'll turn on you. And, and it's not that they're turning on you. They just don't know Him, the greater one. So don't be upset. It's that they have no knowledge. You lived at a time where you didn't have that knowledge. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, very quickly says this, but because of his great love, oh man, that's so great. Because of his so great love, 
who is rich in mercy. The birth of Jesus Christ, Christmas, is filled with the richness of mercy. Why do we give gifts? We give gifts out of our richness. Well, God was rich in mercy, and He gave His greatest gift Himself in human form. For God so loved the world, and God became flesh and dwelt among us. His rich mercy. Well, you know what laid in that manger? Mercy, grace. You know what laid in that manger? Your health, your healing, your future, your destiny. You know what laid in that, in that manger? Your, the blessing on your household. God was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our trespasses. And it is, listen close, by grace that you're saved. The final victory is accomplished in the birth, the resurrection, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, all of it, and what Jesus Christ did. God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave. The proof of God's love is in his giving. The proof of anybody's love is in their giving. You can't, the, the, the expression of love is giving. You give kindness. You give love. You give mercy. You give gifts. You give. If you're not a giver, there's no love. The proof of your love is in your giving. When you give a testimony to somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ, that's a proof that you love humanity. When you'll give forgiveness, that's proof you're loving. When you give mercy when nobody deceives that deserve it, you're loving. You're proving that you love. John's vocabulary pushes us towards a so much larger scale that impacts the incarnation of the entire creation. Now, listen to this. Uh, the real reason for the gift of the Son is the reconciliation of all mankind. I'm going to say that again. The real reason for the gift of the Son is the reconcili reconciliation of all creation. God, in Christ Jesus, was reconciling man to himself. When you read John 3.16, I want you to view it from God's point. I love man so much, I want them. I love mankind so much, I, I, I want to embrace them. I love mankind so much, I need to express myself to them, and I can't because of sin. So I will do something. I'll give my son. And if all they got to do is believe, and they'll never perish. That's all they got to do. All you got to do is believe. Believe what he did. That's what you got to believe, that he, what he did. And then accept that and walk in it and live in this. Paul echoes that with the same thing. What's at stake is not simply the means of forgiveness for men. What's at stake is the entire reconciliation of creation. What happens on the cross is far more significant than the altar of any natural sacrifice. And what happened in the manger was far more significant than a baby Jesus. May I help you here? Jesus is not a baby anymore. He was, but he's not a baby anymore. He's not referred to as baby Jesus. He's referred to as Lord, Master, Savior, King of Kings. He's referred to as Lord of Lords. He is the healer. 
He's the peace. He's the way maker. He's the God that's more than enough. He is Lord. And He's reaching out to you. This Christmas, the greatest gift you can give yourself is Jesus Christ. The greatest gift you can give somebody else isn't wrapped with nice paper. It's wrapped with blood. And it is the testimony of what Jesus did for them and how much God loves them. We have a tree behind me right now. It got gifts underneath it. The tree Jesus died on was a cross and he was the gift. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.